Welcome to On the DOT. This is episode 35, and uh, we're your go-to source for information about the Indiana Department of Transportation. Every month, we take you on a deep dive into the inner workings of the agency and answer your questions about roads, bridges, and everything in between. This month, our guest is Talent Acquisition Strategic Business Consultant, Lindsay Flatt. Lindsay, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, that's a mouthful on your title, just so you know. <laughs> it is. I think it makes me sound a little bit more important than maybe it should. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know. It's a very, very regal title. So I, I like it. <laughs> I like it. So, uh, Lindsay, uh, let's start off just kind of telling people uh, what that big, long title actually means and what you do here at NDOT. Absolutely. So the long and short of it, we are here to support the agency in the recruitment efforts. So this this agency has some very specific positions that it has to fill to uh, be able to serve the community. So it's my job to make sure that we are able to get applicant flow to those positions, so that we get those positions filled and help support our community appropriately. That also includes any career events or pipelining in that way, as well as making sure that we have good processes in place so that we can meet in goals with hiring needs. And that's huge for us because, you know, historically we haven't necessarily always been able to hire um, certain positions very easily because they are very specialized and, you know, people within those positions are, you know, those disciplines are few and far between. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of competition to get those. And so, you know, in 2023, you know, it's a new year. I'm, I'm, thankful that we've been able to kind of solve some of those challenges or at least meet them head on, uh, you know, in the past year or so. But uh, in 2023, I mean, what is what does recruiting strategy look like for NDOT? Yeah, absolutely. So I think specifically, there's a large need for licensed positions to support the agency. So anywhere from a licensed engineer to a licensed land surveyor. And those positions have been specifically hard to fill. And I think one of the issues we've been able to identify over the past year that I've been in this role is we need to build a pipeline for these roles. We need to start getting outreach in other ways where we can identify where people who are pursuing these careers are getting their education, doing their coursework, what organizations are they a part of, starting to connect and build relationships so that we can get exposure to the positions that we have available and what that looks like to work within INTOT in those roles and how that could be a good choice for employment for them. So we really need to do some discovery and some partnership to really bring our positions and the agency to the forefront as an employer of choice in those specific areas. Yeah, and that's huge building that pipeline. Uh, and that's not something that happens overnight either. Um, you know, I, I think about an example would be like if you're a college football program, they typically have recruiting pipelines in, in different states. Um, you know, I, I remember a few years ago, I'm a big Louisville Cardinals fan. Uh, you know, I maybe shouldn't admit that on this uh, very public podcast, but, uh, you know, a big Louisville Cardinals fan. And I remember a few years ago uh, when we had Coach Charlie Strong in, he had a really good recruiting pipeline to the state of Florida. And so as a result, a lot of our players came from the state of Florida. And so is, is that kind of similar to what you're you're looking at? Absolutely. So we've been able to understand, especially I will be positive and use the term post-pandemic, 
recruiting has changed quite a bit. So what we traditionally used to do to fill roles doesn't work the same that it did before. People are looking for different things. They're selecting different career opportunities. That all looks different. So we need to evolutionize in our efforts as well so that we can still um, be as optimized as we can as an agency and fill these positions. And part of that is rethinking recruitment. And to your point, it's not something that happens overnight, but it's necessary to be done. It's necessary to be a focus. And that is really what we're going to be doing this year. Yeah, that's huge. So let me ask you this, Lindsay, what are you finding that candidates are looking for in 2023? I know that, you know, uh, post pandemic, uh, remote work has been a huge topic. Um, I feel like it's kind of slowing down a little bit, maybe because less employers are kind of jumping on board with it post pandemic. But I mean, still, it's something that a lot of people are looking for. Is that something you see a lot of? But but what else besides that as well? Yeah, you know, you hit on a good topic. It's that remote work. Is it still desirable? Or what does that look like? You know, initially, right when we came out of, you know, a lot of shutdowns and things like that, folks were looking to stay home pretty much full time. And so having that opportunity to have folks work fully remote was very desirable. Now we're even further out from when that initially happened. And folks are actually missing that human connection, that collaboration in the workplace. So being an employer that offers a hybrid schedule in most cases so they can work some days in the office and work some days at home, I think is really a good thing that the state has to offer, the agency has to offer, because it gives someone balance in that they do have those days at home like they had before. There's some flexibility there, but they can also come to the office, work with their team, collaborate, build that culture. And I think that's very important for folks. So some of the challenges is overcoming, you know, coming from a place of wanting fully remote to now being desirable in that that side of things. Um, of course, there's a lot of competition for those licensed roles. You, you're, you've got a lot of great organizations outside of the state of Indiana that have positions that are hiring for the same person that you are. Um, so it just is appealing to what that person wants. So for the state of Indiana, we have some really great benefits that really align to individuals at different stages in their career, whether they're looking for, you know, college reimbursement or if it's something more for retirement, whatever that may be, the state has those options. So I think where we struggle is getting that attention of that applicant and being able to show how we can be a great benefit to that applicant as an employer. So making ourselves stand out, I think, is sometimes the challenge. That's definitely a challenge. I know on our end as well, um, a lot of people, you know, we have this archaic uh, idea that in order to get on at the state, you have to know somebody. Um, you know, I can't tell you how many times I heard that when I was starting to apply for my job. And, you know, for me, it ended up being true. I did know somebody and I I won't say I got insider information necessarily, but I, you know, I did know somebody and they put me in touch with the right people who I spoke with. And then I went through the interview process just like everyone else. Um, but I mean, still, it gave me a little more confidence in that, in that process. So I, I guess my question to you is now that, you know, we've kind of debunked that that's not really the case, that you have to know somebody. What does that uh, pipeline, building that pipeline look like? You know, we talk, it's not going to take, it's not going to be an overnight process. It's something we've got to find in strategic place. So how do we become more visible um, in, in the community, I guess? 
Absolutely. And it's going to take groundwork and collaboration from our key partners within the agency. Not only do we need to identify organizations that have, you know, programs for licensed positions or even entry level positions, we need to identify those organizations in each district and, you know, even nationally and build those partnerships, start to get involved and get out in front of these organizations. So it really is putting one foot in front of the other working small and quickly to identify organizations, reaching out, starting to have conversations, starting to show up and being able to provide transparency to the opportunities that the agency has and putting some education behind what does that look like? What do you need to do to get there? Um, and really bringing it uh, full circle and really bringing attraction to what we have to offer. Yeah, absolutely. So, Lindsay, kind of asking you to drill deep into that topic a little bit. Where are our our biggest, I, I guess, blind spots would be the best way to say that, where we're not as visible? Where would you say those are? I think we primarily have a hard time focusing, you know, on hiring those professional engineers that have their professional engineer license and that have a few years of experience, being able to attract that applicant before they maybe consider something in the private sector, where are we going to get in front of that person? Um, oftentimes when we go to collegiate fairs, they're more so looking for scholarships and interns. So that's not necessarily helping us identify someone who's already licensed and ready to go to work. Um, similarly, so with some of the other licensed positions, these are typically positions that require a base uh, level of experience and that usually happens while they're getting their licensing so it's understanding where are they getting their licensing what programs are they involved with getting involved with those programs so that we have some transparency into where are these folks at how can we get in front of them and inversely when you're looking at maybe non-licensed positions we still have like highway technicians and mechanics that we would like to recruit early on so are we looking at high schools and technical schools and giving ourselves the opportunity to say hey this is a great employer we have anything from these high level positions to you can walk in today and work your way up and here's how you're going to do it so it's a multi-focused effort yeah and then <clears throat> You know, personally, I have seen, you know, the results of that. I know we, we had a couple positions here in our district that were very difficult to hire for. I'm sure you can attest to that as well. Um, and, and, you know, recently we've made a couple hires and been able to get some people on who've been, you know, helped us move the process along so much quicker uh, and so much more efficiently when we didn't have that position filled. So I know I'm saying the word position a lot, <laughs> but uh, you know, the truth is, I mean, it's, it's vital what you're doing for our agency right now, because you are trying where we have failed in the past has been the visibility, getting us out in front of people. Um, you know, there has been that network of people who say, Hey, I graduated from Purdue. So if you graduate from Purdue, you can come in and, you know, I mean, we've had that, but then that has also diminished throughout the years as well. So I think that what, what you guys are doing in your shop is, is awesome. And it's definitely something that's going to give the taxpayers uh, a big bang for their buck because, you know, not only are we just recruiting, you know, the, the, the buddy system, right? It's we're looking for the most professional and the most qualified candidates. And I think ultimately that makes our agency better. 
Yeah, and I think a big piece of this too is how are we presenting ourselves as an employer of choice? I think there are some preconceived ideas of what being employed at the state looks like. And I think the state has come a very long way in what they can offer and the value that they are as an employer. And I think it's important in recruitment to speak to those things um, because before, maybe I wouldn't have considered the state as an employer. And I am so very happy here for certain reasons that the state had to offer. Um, so I think it's also being in front of the right people, communicating the right things, right, in helping us stand apart from everybody else. Yep, absolutely. So, Lindsay, we're going to take our first break here. But when we come back, I want to talk about some of our more innovative efforts. I know we've got a lot going on. Uh, you know, yeah, we're becoming more visible, but we're also doing a lot of things that are kind of outside the box. So we'll talk a little bit more about that when we return to On the DOT. This is Sergeant Todd Ringel with Indiana State Police. According to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, distracted driving claims thousands of lives every year. Many drivers use their cell phones while driving. That creates an enormous potential for fatalities and injuries on our roadways. Distracted driving is any activity that diverts your attention from driving, including talking or texting on your phone. You cannot drive safely unless the task of driving has your full attention. You can help us reduce crashes by putting down your cell phone, avoiding all other distractions, and just drive. INDOT recently launched a new app, INDOT TrafficWise. Our INDOT TrafficWise app makes it easier than ever to prepare for your travels. The app has features like road closures, construction information, traffic cameras, route planning, snowplow cameras, commercial vehicle information, hands-free alerts, and more. You can even sign up for a customized experience that allows you to save your favorite cameras, set up travel time notifications, and save your favorite routes for easy access to roadway information like construction and closures. Find us in the Apple App Store or in the Google Play Store by searching INDOT TrafficWise. That's I-N-D-O-T-T-R-A-F-F-I-C-W-I-S-E. Welcome back to On the DOT uh, with Lindsay Platt today. And Lindsay, um, we talked a lot in the first segment about becoming more visible in our communities, um, and specifically where our licensed positions are and getting in front of people who wouldn't have necessarily seen us, you know, 20 years ago. Um, so we're doing a lot of cool stuff. We talked about the pipeline. We talked about, you know, uh, the recruiting efforts and really identifying where our needs are. But sometimes that requires us to be a little more creative, too, does it not? Can you talk about some of the more innovative stuff that we've got going on? Yeah, so I think that not only do we need to be identifying where we need to be, we also need to be thinking about how we're presenting ourselves and how we are making it accessible to to apply to positions. Um, and I think that's really specific to all of our positions, not just those licensed positions. So we need to understand in our specific geographies where we're recruiting, how we're getting in touch with these folks. So are these folks online? Yes, in some cases. No, in some cases. So we need to be able to cater to our audiences in a few different ways. So yes, we need some traditional recruitment tools online, but we also need ways to engage folks that maybe are in more rural areas. So we're starting to try to think about that and, and how we can bring folks you know, into an office to apply, get them QR codes, what flyers, where can we put where there's high traffic, and then inversely, 
looking at within each district, what are some universities and some organizations that we need to be a part of, um, and then presenting ourselves there. So I think it's par partially in the materials that we're putting out there, where we're putting those materials and that information, and then where we are um, connecting with folks. Yeah, and that's huge. Like, I don't think people think about, um, you know, people not being connected to the internet because so much of our, our our life is done online now. I mean, I I don't think I pay any bills in person, you know. So it's, but I want to point back to something you said. You know, you talked about traditional recruiting efforts, and then you put online right after that. And see, for me. I think traditional recruiting efforts is pounding the pavement, getting out, putting in a paper application somewhere. And so, I mean, there's a there's a difference in school of thought there because I am from a rural community. I'm from southern Indiana. And, you know, people down here, I, I mean, I know people who refuse to get a computer, refuse to be connected to the Internet. A lot of them don't even like to use a debit card. So, like, there there is a different school of thought, and that has presented some challenges with, with recruiting. Um, I'll think I'll share a story in particular. I know this is your episode, not my episode, but I'll share this story real fast. Um, you know, we had a hard time hiring HTs in our Evansville subdistrict, and one of the things we did to kind of uh, stymie the 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 bleeding, I'll say, because we did have quite a bit of turnover there for a little bit in that in that unit in that district subdistrict. Um, we stuck a dynamic message board out in the yard and said, "Hey, we're hiring. If you're interested, come in and we'll help you apply." So essentially, what it boiled down to is we got people in the door uh, through that sign, and then we helped them apply through our process. Which, you know, you mentioned is it's definitely something we. We need to look at, we need to think about, you know, how are we getting people in the door and is it, you know, user friendly for people to be applying online? Exactly. And that's, it's funny you mentioned it going back to your statement of traditional. I say traditional in the past, let's call it. 10 years, it's mainly online. You know, you're finding folks on LinkedIn or or platforms similar to that, and it's all happening transactionally online until you pick up a phone and call an applicant. That is to say if their information is available to you. Um, and to your point, yes, those more traditional efforts of hitting the ground or door to door or just talking to people as you see them, those are some of the things that we need to be going back to in some cases or in some areas. Um, and so we have to try to think about that all the time and incorporate as many of those different methods as we can to really make sure we're we're getting the right place at the right time. And thinking too, previously universities was a great pipeline for us and they are still, but we need to be thinking in addition to as folks choose different types of career paths as well. Yeah, it's amazing to me how much uh, difference there is. Just in engineering, there's so many different disciplines and not every one of them are necessarily a good fit for NDOT. Like you can't stick a traffic engineer in a design engineer's place and it really be, you know, it, they can't be comfortable in that role specifically. Um, I wanted to go back to something you said though, Lindsay, uh, you talked about going back to some of the, uh, you know, we'll, we'll call them pre-internet methods. Um, you talked about how, how much of a challenge is it to incorporate, um, you know, the kind of the lower technology methods into what we're doing now and what kind of has become the, the standard? 
Yeah, I think it's challenging to, you know, for in most cases, now I've been in recruitment for over 10 years, so I am familiar with utilizing some of those tools that we were very heavily using before the internet, but I'm not as well versed in them and using them as second nature. So it's forcing myself and forcing our team to really think differently and deploying those and, and kind of evolutionizing it. Okay, this worked here this was not successful here and trial and error and just trying to really learn who our audience is and what works best for them. And that is a trial and error process. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, let's let's be real here. There are some limitations that we have as a government agency. You know, there are strict rules that we have to abide by um, and there are policies and procedures in place that we have to ultimately follow. Um, I think in particular, you know, we don't really accept paper applications. Everything has to be done online. So how do we bridge that gap to those people um, who, you know, as we recruit in a more uh, pre-internet method, how do we bridge the gap to get them to where we need them to be so that we can bring them on board? Absolutely. You know, there's a couple different ways we're looking at that. One way is if, if folks don't have access to a computer at home, things like that, you know, we're trying to solution with having, um, resources within like our districts and our subdistricts so they can come into the office and apply and someone in that office can help them if they have questions through the application process. So that's one of the ways that we're trying to solution on how can we help you get through it. C come into our offices. We're there to support you. Um, and, you know, if you don't have access to a computer, we're trying to get those resources out there. There are certainly some areas that's a little bit harder to do than others, but that's a need, right? So we need to identify that, understand where that is and solution around that, um, you know, and making sure that, you know, they may have a computer, but not really know where to go, right? So making sure we have QR codes and links that take them to the places they need to be or specifically to the jobs they're looking for, making sure they have those resources available and thinking about what those resources are and where they need to be. Yeah, absolutely. And that I was going to ask you about that. You mentioned QR codes, but I mean, really traditionally, Indiana's website hasn't really been mobile friendly. Um, I know that's something we have worked toward uh, with our, you know, our tech groups who are working on our internet pages. But I mean, specifically for recruiting, what's your experience been with getting people, you know, signed up on a phone? Because I think more people have access to the internet via, you know, their their mobile device versus, you know, sitting at a computer or a laptop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it, there's a couple different ways we can look at it, right? Once you have a profile set up with the state of Indiana, I think it's much easier than to on the fly, for example, on your phone, go in and apply because you have a profile set up. So if we can dedicate some time to at least set up your profile, get into the system, get your resume uploaded, then you can apply much easier, you know, using a mobile device versus a desktop. So I think really focusing on where is that applicant at in the process? Have they ever applied before? Or do we know who they are in the state? Do they have an account? Um, and then being able to cater to them based off of where they are in the process. Yeah. And that's huge. Um, I mean, that's, I keep saying that's huge, but we really are making great strides in our, in our recruiting because I think ultimately becoming more mobile centric, I think, um, you know, incorporating older methods with newer methods and really being innovative in how we approach it. I think that's, what's going to help lead us into the next, uh, you know, 20 to 30 years until, uh, something, something new comes out <laughs> or some new challenge arises. <laughs> 
So, all right, well, Lindsay, we are uh, about ready for our second break here. Uh, so when we come back, I want to just kind of talk about, you know, the benefits of working for NDOT. We've talked a lot about, uh, you know, the recruiting methods and what we're doing now. But, I mean, really give us give us the pitch on uh, on how, well, how great it is to work here for the state of Indiana. But first, we're going to go to a commercial. We'll be right back with more on the DOT. Somebody needs to report that pothole. Why aren't they mowing the grass in the median? When are they going to fix this road? You know there's an easy way to get answers to those questions and report the problems you see on interstates, U.S. routes, and state roads. Dial 1-855-INDOT4U to talk to a live customer service professional. That's 855-463-6848. Hate talking on the phone or have a fear of human interaction? We've got you covered. Go online to indot the number 4 the letter u.com to use our report a concern tool. You can also report a concern through our Indot mobile app for iPhone and Android. If you've got questions, we've got answers at 855-INDOT4U or online at indot4u.com. Hands-free is now the law in Indiana. That means you can't have a mobile device in your hand while driving. Help make Indiana roads safer. Learn about the new law at handsfreeindiana.com. Did you know that NDOT Transit helps to serve more than 32 million riders on 65 transit systems all across the state of Indiana? NDOT is more than just Hoosier Roads. To learn more, go to multimodal.ndot.in.gov. Welcome back to On the DOT. I'm here with Lindsay Platt, and we have had a great discussion, if you've listened thus far, about what it is to recruit and kind of the effort that goes into getting uh, the best people to work for NDOT. Um, and so now, Lindsay, I just want you to talk a little bit. Give us the hard sell. Give us give us what you would give someone at one of these hiring events. Let us know what it's like to work for NDOT. Absolutely. So I think everything is uniquely you. Everyone is looking for something different. And it's my mission to really understand who is this person that is filling this role? Where are they at in their life? What are they looking for? Because there are so many things that the state offers. It's being able to highlight those things, right? So if you're a college student, I'm going to talk to you about tuition reimbursement and the programs that we have with Ivy Tech that you can go directly to school and have it be, you know, partially funded from the state. So I'm going to talk about things like that. If you're more senior in your career, I'm going to talk to you about those retirement options and those pensions and the 401 K's and all of those things that are really great. Um, if you're mid in your career, I'm going to talk to you about what awesome health insurance that we have and the flexible work schedule and work-life balance that we have. Also probably highlighting some of that, you know, to those collegiate students as well. But I talk from the heart too. What brought me to the state? Well, what brought me to the state is it has great work-life balance. I have a young one at home. You have a flexible schedule. You have a couple days in office, a couple days out of office. They have wonderful insurance. You can even do things like going to counseling and coaching. And those are things that the state recognizes and rewards you for doing. There's a big rewards program with our health insurance and things along those lines. Um, and just having that balance in, in my career and being backed with uh, by the state, right? You, you have this community service aspect of it as well. So it's very rewarding. It's very rewarding work. So being able to speak to where someone is in, in their career path and in their life and being able to speak to the many different things the state has to offer, I think sometimes it's hard to pick a couple of things because there are so many great things available. 
Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, you know, in particular, uh, you, you, I don't know if you mentioned it or maybe just mentioned it briefly, but, you know, our employee assistance program is one of the huge things I think that's that sets us apart. Yeah, we have great health benefits. Yeah, we have great work-life balance. But, hey, did you know that you can go and get, um, what is it, 12 free mental health counseling sessions a year? Um, did you know that, you know, we can help you find an attorney, um, you know, when – when, when I went through through my divorce a few years ago, our EAP was huge in that because it helped me find helped me find a good attorney, but also made it more affordable for me, which if anybody has ever hired an attorney, they know that's that's a, a huge deal. Um, you know, so I mean, there are big things that we offer here, I think that I don't think other employers necessarily offer at least not on a large scale and not definitely not on the scale that we do. Uh, would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the state really does care about you as a person. And they do that by saying, hey, we encourage you to go do these things to better yourself, your mental health, your family. And we're going to reward you for taking steps and doing that because it's not easy all the time. And they want to encourage that to happen. So within those specific employee assistance programs, they're really trying to get people to better themselves um, as a whole and getting involved in those programs. You learn so much about what's available to you and things that you maybe never even thought about trying before um you know and then there's like little perks too for example if i want to take my child out to do something if you're a state employee i can take her to the state museum for free you know so little fun things like that too are always a b- added bonus or the you know the parks things like that it's a lot of fun yeah absolutely and like people don't think about like uh, I think it's all public information. I think you can find it on our website. If not, I'll cut this part out. But I mean, us also as state employees, our agencies have partnered with, uh, you know, private sector businesses. And I know state employees get discounts on certain things just because, you know, we work for the state. Uh, specifically, I know around the Indianapolis area, if you're a state employee, you can get like 5% off of purchase of a vehicle. Uh, I think that's from like like that. But, you know, I, I don't know. Um, and maybe I shouldn't invoke the name of a specific private business on here. But um, but anyway, anyway. Um, but I mean, there are things there. You, you mentioned the little perks. Those are awesome. And so let's talk a little bit about, you know, we've talked about work-life balance. We've talked about, uh, you know, the kind of the extrinsic benefits. You know, our health plan is really good. But let's talk about some of the intrinsic benefits of working at NDOT as well. You know, we've got a really robust uh, uh, inclusion and belonging program. Um, that's one of the things that we're working on here that's been just monstrous. And a lot I know a lot of people, those are buzzwords to them. But really, I mean, the people that we have working on it, um, you can tell they really care. And I think of the people around here, we're fostering a really good culture. Would you agree? Absolutely. And I I very much enjoyed the adoption of just bettering yourself and your understanding of others and being cognizant of how maybe you act and function every day and how that may be different for someone that you work with every day that you respect and opening our minds to how we can be more inclusive in our day-to-day activities. I think the state has done a wonderful job in providing that, that, um, 
development for its employees and opportunities for people to learn and grow and resource um, and provide that professional development. And it just helps us, you know, keep along with the culture of where the world is going today, you know, being really educated and smart about what we're doing and how we're, we're learning. I think we've gone far. And so when you're in the door, so to speak, with the state, you're not only, you know, getting things for yourself, but you're also becoming more well-rounded, I think, as an employee as well. And, and, you know, if you choose not to make the state your career, um, I think having state of Indiana on your resume, I think it makes you more attractive to private sector, uh, you know, I don't want to say partners, but private sector businesses that maybe do similar work as what we do because they know, you know, through our partnerships with the private sector, they know that we're putting out quality people um, or that we are training people and professional development is really robust here. So, um, again, I think that's one of the nice things about working here is just, you know, I really feel like NDOT cares. And we say that with on internally, but you know, that's, that's, that's true. We really do care about the people that we work with. And that's been my experience anyway. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we wouldn't be public servants if we didn't care. We care about the community. We care about each other. We care about the impact that our work makes. And I think that that is a good characteristic of a a state employee. You inherently will care about those things because of the line of work that you're in. And it just shows the work that you're willing to put in, um, the the culture that you're willing to promote, all of those things. I think that it, it really rings true. Yeah, I 100% agree with that sentiment because, you know, it's, it's it's literally the experience I live out every single day. And I can tell you this, Lindsay, you'll laugh at this. Um, I can tell you as a customer service uh, manager and, you know, peop- someone who manages our, our people here in, in our customer service department, I can tell you that we take it personally every time we hear somebody who is not satisfied with something that we've provided. And because we're passionate about it, because it's something that is important to us, because we care. Um, and so that's, it's just one of those things. I've never had that type of, I've never taken things personally at a job until I worked here and I understood the good that I was doing. So, um, so that, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool little note to end on. Well, Lindsay, I do want to ask you, is there anything else that you want to add? Um, any plugs for any, any websites, anything like that? Anything you want to add on to the end of this episode before we jump out of here? Oh, gosh. Well, hey, if you're out there looking for a position, <laughs> the state is a great place to be. Indot is a wonderful employer. The first place that you can go to find jobs is workforindiana.in.gov. When you get to that site, it's going to show you all the state of Indiana jobs. But if you're really interested in the Department of Transportation and some of the positions we've talked about today, you can actually filter down on that homepage to the Department of Transportation in specific areas. Or if you want to see everything, you could do that. So that is our main site that you will find all of our positions. So I encourage you to go check it out. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, Lindsay, I appreciate you being on today and uh, wish you the most success possible in uh, your recruiting efforts and building our pipeline and, and being innovative, bringing the best people in. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me today.
This has been On the DOT, a production of the Indiana Department of Transportation. For more information, please visit our website at indot.in.gov. For the latest updates on road conditions or construction, you can download our NDOT mobile app for Apple and Android devices. Submit your roadway concerns by calling 1-855-NDOT4U or online at NDOT4U.com. Find all of that information in the description of this episode. Full episodes of On the DOT are available on YouTube by searching for NDOT. You can also follow NDOT and all six of our districts on Facebook and Twitter. If you like what you're hearing, please be sure to leave us a rating on your favorite podcast platform. Join us again every third Thursday for new episodes of On the DOT. Until then, travel safely and thank you for joining us on On the DOT.